Oh, we're back, baby. Well, they weren't exactly the words of uh, NRL CEO Andrew Abdo as the draw for the rest of 2020 was released. Uh, But Chris Kennedy and Alicia Newton, he said it's time. And it is time for Rugby League to be back. Uh, Less than a week now until uh, the NRL is officially back May 28th. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. You must be very, very excited. I'm very ready yet. Starting to, I think last time I was on this podcast, I said it was exciting, but it didn't quite feel real. I think it's starting to feel real now. We've got the, um, you know, the full schedule, still a few venues to be confirmed. Hopefully some more teams getting home games once the the biosecurity relaxes a bit later in the season and and maybe even some crowds, who knows. But um, for now, every club has their their opponents and their days for the rest of the season. Um, We're we're ready to get underway in uh, a week's time. And yeah, it can't come soon enough. I'm pumped. Look, I, I mean, I'm a bit like, it's still hard to believe until I actually see them run out for the first time. It's going to, uh, especially going back, you know, two months, Zach, when, when we first started this, this podcast in, in isolation and we were just in, in the unknown to see where it's come from to now. As I said, uh, when it finally happens, I think I'll, I'll have a nice drink in my hand, put it that way. Well, what's the drink of choice? Uh Southern Comfort, which uh, gets a lot of people offside. But uh, if there is any listeners out there like Southern Comfort, please let me know because I'll immediately like you. Well, I'll be uh, celebrating uh, with a water, uh, maybe a beer when we get our game back on Thursday night. Uh, What about, uh, there's always talk, CK, uh, about the winners and losers of the draw. There's a story out on NRL.com as of today about the strength of the schedule, which is done on where teams finished last year. So the Roosters first and uh, the Titans last. Um, going off that draw, it's interesting to see the numbers next to the teams and who does have the, the hardest draw. It is interesting. There's always a disclaimer on these articles that it is based on the previous year's finishes. So if we did this at the start of last year, you would have had Manly and Para both being absolute easy beats due to finishing down the bottom the year before. And they obviously both um, finished fifth and sixth. So things can change wildly from year to year. So you've got to always take these things with a grain of salt. Um, It does look like there's a a fair few blockbusters in there. So teams that finished high up last year play each other. So you you sort of tend to factor that into, um, you know, the the storm, the the rain as the Roosters having a few tougher clashes. Um, looks like the Sharks have got away pretty easy. They're of the, and there's 10, every side plays 10 teams once and the other five teams they play twice to bring us up to 20 games. Um, Sharks don't have doubles against any sides that made the eight last year. They've got uh, Cowboys, Dragons, Titans, Panthers and Warriors. So a little bit of an outlier there. But um, yeah, in general, I think it's pretty fair. Um, hard to argue with too much of it. Obviously, you've got, you know, the Warriors are over here playing at, you know, home games at neutral grounds. So they're, you know, sort of starting off the back foot. And as we've said previously, everyone in rugby league appreciates that the sacrifices that they're, they're making away from home and family. But in terms of the draw and the way it's all laid out, it all looks pretty fair to me. I, um, I don't really see uh, how too many teams can be complaining. Although there were some uh, complaints after mm. the uh, draw was released. A couple of club bosses um, and even coaches around the game uh, weren't too happy. Alicia, what was the reaction like uh, from around the game that you, when you were speaking to people after the uh, draw was released? Yeah, Zach, I think the general consensus around um, the draw is that, you know, to, to beat beat the best, you've got to, you've got to contest with them. And um, Des Hazel was pretty happy with his draw today having a quick chat to him. Uh, Adam O'Brien's very much, I don't care who we play, which I think is a great mentality, especially for the Knights who haven't reached the finals for a few years. 
Um, there are a few club bosses that have come out and said a few things, but I mean, in the end, this year's crazy as it is. So I think if, if you're going to win, you're going to beat anyone on your day, right? So, I mean, the players don't care really either. Um, I thought Jamie Soward had a fair point today. I think he, he tweeted it that, you know, it does make a massive difference of, of who you play and the strength of your schedule down the track. But in the end, even if you make the eight, you still got to go on and, and win arguably one of the toughest final series in, in world sports. So, um, yeah, the cream always rises to the top, so they say. So, um, yeah, I think that's the general consensus. I think fans bought more than probably players and staff in the clubs. Yeah, I'd agree. I think if you're going to, I was going to say, if you, you know, if your double game is against the Roosters rather than the Titans, and that's the difference between you making the eight or not, then you, you know, do you even deserve to be in the eight or you're any chance of winning the comp anyway? If that's, if you're relying on playing easy teams instead of hard teams, you know, inverted commas to get into the finals or to get into the top four, are you really a, a worthy finalist or a worthy premier anyway? Yeah. And just on the Roosters front, I mean, they've been hand of one of the tougher draws. Some people are saying the toughest draw uh, and they're coming off an 0-2 start. So if they do uh, complete the three-peat this year, it shows that they are well and truly uh, the best team in, in the comp and they have been the last couple of years. And no doubt Trent Robinson will have them ready. He'll have all this, you know, they'll be using this against them to, to want to prove uh, to the rest of the NRL that they are the best. Um, it doesn't matter what club as well. I mean, the Raiders... Uh, through their strength of schedule done on NRL.com look like they've got a pretty easy run, but uh, they don't have any home games at GI Stadium uh, for the, through the first nine rounds at least. And that is that is going to be an interesting point. We know the draw from round one to round nine in terms of venues as well, but beyond that, um, we just don't know uh, where matches will be played. Interestingly, uh, the acting CEO, Andrew Abdo, uh, mentioned that hopefully um, we get matches in front of fans at the back end of this year. CK, do you think that's uh, wishful thinking or do you think that's a real possibility? I, I know we're not health experts, but could you imagine, mm. you know, even if it's for the grand final or origin later this year, it would be an amazing feat for the whole country, not only the sport we love, but to have fans back. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think it's wishful thinking. I think it's optimistic thinking, which I think is how we have to be approaching things you know everyone thought it was wishful thinking to have games back on on may 28 now it looks like for all the world that's going to go ahead um as you said none of us in here are epidemiologists but it looks like you know the the infection rates dropping and the number of new cases you know we were getting sort of hundreds of new cases a day at the peak of it now we're getting a, you know less than 10 across the country so um you know if things keep going this way if if the lower infection rate is maintained through the easing of restrictions and we we're able to continue to ease restrictions in terms of you know people going back to the office and businesses opening and you know bars and cafes and restaurants letting in more people if we can maintain the, the lower infection rate through all of that then i don't see why we can't potentially think about having crowds um, at games towards the end of the year and it doesn't necessarily mean it's you know crowds are go for your life or, or they're out you could potentially have a workaround phase it back in like have games only open to members and they have to sit you know a row apart or x number of seats apart so maybe we start with you know two thousand people at, at Bankwest um rather than thirty thousand and and that lasts for a month or, or two months or, or whatever it is there's there's ways to phase it back in as well so i'm very optimistic that hopefully fingers crossed we do have some crowds in in front of games before the end of the year and Alicia, an interesting talking point over the last couple of weeks has been uh, anti-vaxxers or, or players that haven't had their flu injections or vaccinations. I guess good news for uh, sides like Manly and the Raiders that don't have 
or have some players that don't have, um, who haven't had their flu vaccinations, uh, they don't have to travel across the Queensland border where they wouldn't be allowed to play, uh, play for a couple of months. Yeah, so Manly, uh, I think they're, they're late July and the Raiders have got a couple of games in August. So it gives them a couple more months to um, get themselves sorted. The players, whether they do end up having the jab or whether they uh, you know, get exemptions, it's something that at least the clubs don't have to deal with in the you know, coming couple of weeks. Whereas um, I think the Bulldogs have got a game in round four that possibly Sione Katoa might have to make a decision whether he's in the 17 or not, you know, is a, is a different story. So, um, yeah, it's pretty good news for those two clubs just in the short term, but obviously they're, they're going to have to address it down the track um, when it comes. But, um, yeah, they kind of avoided Queensland pretty well, only a couple of games, one each, two each. Yeah, and CK, you mentioned it earlier, uh, rivalries is the key theme of this draw this year. It's great for spectators. Uh, the, the year is bookended with great um, rivalries. We kick off... Uh, this week with some crackers uh, with the, oh sorry, in round three uh, with the Rabbitohs and Roosters. In round 20, uh, they face off again. Then Broncos, Cowboys, West Tigers, Eels uh, as well. Uh, the all-important grand final rematch is on a Thursday night in round 10. Again, we don't know the venue for that. Uh, but anything you need to know about the new revised NRL uh, draw for the rest of 2020, you can see on nrl.com. Uh, we also have confirmation of state of origin dates uh, for this year. The men's matches will take place on consecutive Wednesdays, uh, November 4, November 11, November 18, with the women's match a standalone on Friday, November 13. CK, if this is a, a real success, and I know we have World Cups and other internationals at the end of the year, but could you see the NRL moving state of origin to the back end of the year, or do you think they love it because... Uh, the timing of it in the middle of the year, it gets so many eyeballs. It's an interesting debate, isn't it? I, um, I'd be surprised, but I guess we wait and see how it travels. I, I tend to find that the internationals at the end of the year, even if there's a, a really something that should be high interest, like a Four Nations that's held in Australia and New Zealand, the, the interest does tend to wane a little bit from the general public you've got that month of you know horse racing and motor racing and then into all the the cricket and and the summer and you know the beaches calling and all the rest of it um interesting to see how it goes but it's such a um you know just the, the golden goose you, you, whatever makes it work it works in that you know middle of the year period from a footy point of view um you know, it's been a bit of discussion around you know teams that are out of the finals having players that you know might not have played for four or six weeks by the time origin rolls around and i know we've always got to deal with that in terms of the the internationals anyway but um, whether that takes a little bit of a sting out of the contest we've also got uh, three successive wednesdays which um i think we can understand why it's happening obviously the schedule's been condensed and time's a factor and all the rest of it but um i think that's a bit too condensed for origin i would have preferred to see say a, a wednesday then you know 10 days to a sunday and then another week and a half to the next Wednesday spread it out over 20 days rather than 14 days. I think it might be a little bit draining on, on the players who have to origins just at that level again above NRL to get up um, seven days later. And then if you do have injuries, sort of getting a new player into your system in a, a relatively short space of time, only a couple of um, training sessions, it's going to, there's a lot of challenges, but um, yeah, interesting to see how it goes. I don't see it staying at the end of the year, but never say never. And uh, you mentioned consecutive Wednesdays. Uh, November 11, uh, if the Men's T20 World Cup uh, 
competition or tournament, which is set to take place in Australia, does go ahead, uh, that'll clash with the semi-final. Um, but Andrew Abdo, who I didn't seem too concerned about it when we asked him about it at the uh, draw announcement press conference, Alicia, uh, November 13, Friday night. Uh, you must be pumped for that. Another standalone women's match. We don't know where, but uh, this has been a massive talking point in the game of rugby league in the last couple of weeks. Friday the 13th turns, turns lucky, Zach. Um, it was great news to hear that that happened uh, yesterday by Andrew. Um, you know, these, these women are still obviously very much in the, in, the, in the lurch in terms of the NRLW season, but just to have that origin game, you know, has given them a massive boost. And talking to both coaches yesterday, I actually broke it to both of them. They had no idea they were both at work and they were like, you're, you know, you're kidding. So, um, yeah, it's great news and it, and it just shows that or just acknowledges fact that you know they are both standalone events now and and um you know that there's no more talk about them playing before the men's games if they've got their own event and that it will kick on whether there's a crowd there or not is another story um and yeah venue's got to be determined hopefully it's sunny coast i wouldn't mind heading up there in november but um i'm gonna yeah, make we'll, sure the border's yeah. blocked just against you everyone else can go but you're not allowed <laughs> So that's the least of my concerns, to be honest. I just want to see them, them play, hopefully in front of a crowd. But, um, yeah, it's great news all around. And it got a million uh, eyeballs on it last year. So, the, the, you know, it's, it's a winner among fans. And, again, Andrew Abdus, Abdo said that. Like, why change it? it gets, it's got so much interest in that game anyway. We don't need to put it ahead of a men's game. The women have done enough to earn the right to play um, a match at least one origin match on their own. It would have been interesting to know whether it would have been a three-part series this year if it wasn't for the coronavirus pandemic. Um, but speaking on the topic of NRLW, uh, what's the latest regarding the third instalment of the NRLW, Alicia? Yeah, so I spoke to a couple of players yesterday and they were pretty adamant that from their latest meetings with the NRL that there will be some sort of competition this year. They actually, for the first time, they said, one of the players said to me, I left that meeting going, wow, we're actually going to get some games at the end of the year. So, which is awesome news if it does happen. Um, how it looks in regards to which clubs are going to be involved is still very much up in the air. Um, I think the best case scenario would be, obviously, for all four clubs to remain and the NRL um, chips in and funds in some way, shape or form. Um, the fact that the women's game is being discussed from a broadcast level as well is really good news if there's some sort of money that can be injected into into their game. Um, you know, that, that just changes everything, really. So it's a little bit of a wait and see. Andrew's pretty confident that something will get announced within the next few weeks. Um, but, yeah, as far as I know, the players are in a very much more positive shape of mind, frame of mind, compared to, you know, six weeks ago when they had no idea what was happening. Yeah, it's great news uh, for the game, both uh, the men's and women's game with origin dates confirmed and hopefully the NRLW schedule will be released uh, later this year. Uh, signing news. So we know that uh, the comp isn't too far from restarting when there's plenty of interest in this. Uh, let's start with the big news, CK. Andrew McCulloch leaves the Broncos to join the Knights for the remainder of 2020. Of course, Jaden Braley did his ACL, so he's out for the rest of the year. And he was their big name recruit from the Sharks. Do you like this move, Andrew McCulloch to the Knights? 
I like it all round. It's um, it's always a bit sad when a, a loyal, long-serving player leaves the, the club he's been at his entire career without a lot of fanfare, and he, he's sort of at a new club um, a day later. But he was, um, you know, losing his spot to uh, to Jake Turpin, the the emerging young gun hooker who um, looks to be the future of that Brisbane number nine jersey. Um, I'd much rather see Andrew McCulloch go out you know, helping a club that, that is in need of a hooker through injury than sort of in reserve grade or playing 10 minutes off the bench. Um, you mentioned the Knights, obviously Danny Levi went to Manly, Jaden Braley did his ACL. They've got guys like Connor Watson and Kurt Mann that can play there. But in terms of a, you know, a senior number nine, it's just pretty that steadying influence. And he's got obviously some good experience that's going to help um, some of their younger players he can take on a leadership role alongside guys like Mitch Pierce. So I think it's a good fit for the Knights in the immediate term. And it means he's probably playing some, some NRL rather than um, having to lose his spot to a, a youngster. So, yeah, I like it all around. Alicia? As a supposedly non-biased uh, Knights fan, um, yeah, I love it. I think, as CK said, it's, it's it's a short-term fix. And who knows? Like, he's only 30, so he could very much play a bit of a backup next year if the Knights kept him on another 12 months. He could even head back to Brisbane. Like, who knows? But... Um, I like the idea of Connor Watson staying on the bench and just coming off the bench and basically exploding out of nowhere and just not not having that time to think and just giving the ball with a bit of freedom. So whereas McCulloch's that, that thinker that can work with um, Pierce out of in the halves and, um, yeah, I think it's a great signing and I think he will have a little bit of a point to prove, especially, you know, the way that he's kind of finished up at Brisbane. It's not how he would have wanted to go out. Um, but yeah, well, 13 years at the Broncos, so he's had a great, great career so far. Hopefully, he can kick on at the Knights. Yeah, I think it's a win for all parties. Uh, we know what he can do. Only a couple of years ago, you know, he was talked up. Well, he was always in the frame for Origin if Cam Smith or the like were, was injured. So um, let's hope he can regain some of his best form with the Knights. Uh, CK Jack Murchie, um, the young Raider, uh, who is a man mountain. I've seen him a few times, and I'm a, you know, I'm I'm thankful that I don't have to go near him. He's could be quite a handy pickup for the Warriors for the rest of this year. Yeah, this is a fantastic move. I really like this. The, the Raiders have got a whole host of these good young forwards coming through. We saw Corey Horsburgh emerge last year. Emery Gould is making strides. You know, Joe Tarpany when he went down there before that. And then, you know, Hudson Young, um, quite a few good young forwards jostling for spots. And Jack Murchie, a really promising um, and, and you know, physically impressive young player uh, goes to the Warriors who are over here with, you know, whatever players they had available. I think we'll get to the casualty ward in a bit, but they've lost two middle forwards as well to injury, one short term, one long term, I think. So um, having a good young forward like that um, enter their roster, it's um, going to massively help with their depth. And it means uh, Jack Murchie, it might accelerate his development a bit if he gets a bit more NRL footy. Obviously, no reserve grade competitions going around at the moment. So um, I like that on all fronts as well. Yeah, he's only played three NRL games over the last uh, couple of years, uh, but I reckon he'll at least double that um, by the end of this year. And hopefully, you know, he, he blows um, those numbers out of the water. You mentioned uh, the chem- Chemist Warehouse Casualty Ward, an update from last week. So Michael Morgan could miss up to four weeks after he underwent shoulder surgery. Uh, Kieran Foran, all the news is good out of Belmore. It looks like he will be fit for round three. Uh, John Bateman, he's looking less likely. What's with all these shoulder injuries? Uh, John Bateman looks uh, unlikely. There's talk he might miss the first two weeks. And CK, you mentioned the Warriors. Geez, they've done everything for us. But unfortunately, the rugby league gods uh, have crueled them in the last couple of um, days or so. 
Yeah, it's um, just horror news. Um, Adam Kieran gone for uh, knee surgery. He's not in their first choice 17 if they're, they're fully fit, but I think he played round two in the centres because they lost a couple of players. So, um, yeah, they can't afford to be losing players out of their top squads. He could be out for an extended period, um, which would be an even bigger blow if they have anything happen to, to Blake Green or Chanel Harris-Tavita. Um, Lisa and Army are probably gone for the season or, or certainly the bulk of it with a, a pectoral injury, which those don't tend to be anything less than 10 weeks best case and then Jazz Tavanga still not quite sure how long he's going to be out for but really important middle forward covers hooker could play 80 minutes at lock he's got a, um, a knee complaint so he'll be out for the um, the short term at least and Alicia uh, might be good news for Foz out of Belmore but uh, not for Marcelo Montoya yeah he seems to be plagued by these hamstring injuries but whenever he does get one it just seems to be a, a long a long term one um Bad news for him. He, he he tore it earlier in the week, and I don't. I think he's avoided surgery. Don't don't quote me on that one. I have to check check that one. But um, yeah. From all reports, he you know he's facing another three months on the sidelines. So rotten news. And um, obviously the Bulldogs have got options in the back line. But um, you know, for him making his way back, you know, after just overcoming one, is not um, is not ideal for him. Hopefully uh, he's back sooner than that three-month marker. For everything you need to know about the casualty ward, the Chemist Warehouse casualty ward, you can find on NRL.com. As uh, the same goes for the signings tracker as well. And speaking of signings tracker, how's this? Greg Inglis, I thought it could have been back to April 1, April Fool's Day. Greg Inglis uh, is coming out of retirement to play in the Super League for Warrington. Uh, Next year, he signed a deal for 2021. Could you believe it? Did you believe it when you heard it, CK? The first whisper I heard about it, honestly, same as you, I thought it was a joke or a prank of some sort. It wasn't actually until I saw footage of, of GI speaking about it and, and, you know, Warrington announcing it that I'm like, no, oh, this is actually happening. Um, it's an interesting one. I don't mind it. He's sort of retired pretty early. Obviously, you know, his knee had been giving him some grief and he's, you know, just mentally getting up for the, the week-to-week grind of, of NRL. Um, and being in the, that NRL bubble in Sydney was sound like it was wearing him down. If he's um, if he's still got a, a bit more to give, then he could be a great signing for Warrington. And um, you know, we're, we're not going to see peak Greg Inglis. You know, that the hundred meter try against you know Brisbane beating half the team. I think those days are behind him. But if he can, um, you know, have some good games in the centres and score and set up a few tries, and more importantly, just that you know the impact he'll have on some of their um, younger players or, or less experienced players could be fantastic. And you know, if he if he refound that that hunger, that mental edge that he, he needed to get back out on the field. You know, the players aren't quite under so much speculation over in the, the north of England, so he might not have all that sort of relentless pressure and attention on him. He might um, have a nice little season or two swan song at, at Warrington and might even, you know, they've got a few good players around now, might help them uh, clinch their, their first ever trophy. Who knows? Alicia, do you think uh, GI will go well over in the Super League next year? Well, you know... I wasn't completely comfortable with how he retired in the first place in the NRL. I, you remember it was a couple of rounds in to the season last year. And then, um, you know, I think he, he announced his, re- his retirement from rep footy, didn't he? And then, and then you weren't sure about the year after. And then within a couple of months, it was all over. It just It just seemed very premature. Um, I think over there, he'll, he'll kill it, whether how quickly he can get get back into it fitness-wise and physically. He look, looks in great shape. And I think just being around the South's players in his coaching role has probably just kept him within the game. Like, we see a lot of players go off and sometimes 
not come back to footy for a while or have a bit of a year's break, whereas he's kind of stayed around it. And he, and he said it himself, he's missed that camaraderie with the players and it's given him that itch to get back. So, I mean, if that's what helps with his happiness and he can, he can, you know, secure a year, secure another year on top of that, then, then all the best to him. But in terms of how we'd go physically over there, I don't think anyone should question question that. It's more just how, how mentally he can go over there. It'll be different. I don't think he's he's been over there for a few um, Australian tours, but nothing like living over there all year round and playing in the cold. So, yeah, yeah so it'd just be nice to see him in full flight again. It would be. Yeah. What about full flight in a Maroons jersey in 2021, Alfie Langer-esque CK? Won't happen. <laughs> it, it is won't. a good story, though. It, it gets people talking, doesn't it? Because he was such a dominant figure in that arena. Yeah. I know they're a little bit skinny in the, the three quarters. We've seen, you know, Michael Morgan and, you know, Darius Boyd and other players sort of have to get moved around the, the back line. But um, Maroons have got a few young players coming through and, you know, this late on his career, going from you know, playing the odd game for Warrington to suddenly being in the state of origin cauldron. I, I don't see that having too many uh, positive outcomes. All right, well, Why doesn't Greg... he just skip it, skip it and go up to play for Australia in the World Cup, you know, a couple, couple of weeks after Super League season? Well, you might be there's, on There's a scoop. There we go. Maybe. Hey. Uh, um, speaking of uh, one of the best in the game in Greg Inglis, uh, our Simply the Best uh, poll continues uh, to grow in terms of the team as we announce... Uh, a position or two each week. Uh, 117,000 votes uh, were polled for the best second rowers. Uh, we had an interesting chat about this last week. I think we all agreed that Gordon Tallis would be one of them, and he was. Uh, we weren't sure whether Sonny Bill Williams, Nathan Hindmarsh, Beaver Menzies, or the like de- uh, deserved to be there alongside him. In the end, it was the manly great Beaver Menzies, uh, Steve Menzies, who was deemed the best second rower alongside him. Uh, you guys happy to live with that? Yeah, the top three, according to the fan votes, were my top three, which was, I think I had Menzies, then Hindmarsh, then Dallas, but I'm happily taking Dallas, then Menzies, then Hindmarsh. And I think we probably all agreed that, that Sonny Bill would be in if he played his full career here, but um, the, the limited amount of time he spent here is probably what cost him a, a spot in the top two. Yep, and the team, uh, this is how it looks uh, so far. The fullback, Billy Slater, wing is Wendell Saylor, has an Almazri. Centres, uh, Mal Meninga and that man and GI who we've been speaking about. 5'8", Darren Lockyer, halfback. Uh, we've got Jonathan Thurston, Jason Tamalalo at lock. And of course, the two second roles, Gordy Tallis and Beaver Menzies. Uh, what about the prop um, position? So this poll goes online today. It's Friday at midday. Uh, the candidates, Jesse Bromwich, Sam Burgess. He gets another crack here. Uh, he missed out. Uh, third row, isn't it? Yeah, in the lock position. Uh, Mark Carroll, Petro Sivanasiva, Andrew Fafida, Paul the Chief Harrigan, Glenn Lazarus, Matt Scott, Ian Roberts, and Shane Webke. The emissions, Nathan Kalis, Jason Riles, Jared Wairira Hargreaves, Andrew G, Martin Lang, and Jason Stevens. Uh, they seem to be getting tougher and tougher as they go. Yeah, this one's a, a challenge. I think uh, if Sam Burgess isn't in as the 13, then he's not in at all. Uh, he, he did play some prop, but to me, 13's his spot. Um, 10 really good players on there. I think Glenn Lazarus is an absolute, even with how stiff the field is, Lazarus is a no-brainer to, you know, win competitions at Canberra and Brisbane and then take Storm to their first comp. You know, it's, it's 
record of winning is just absolutely phenomenal. That the all-round prop, a, a massive, massive man with an incredible mobility and skill set for a man of his size, and just an absolute born winner. I think he's he should be in absolutely no matter what. Very tough. I sort of spent, you know, we had that almost 10 years where Shane Webke was arguably the, the best prop in the world. And then Shane Webke 2.0, Matt Scott rolls around and he was the best prop in the world for a long time. I don't think I could quite squeeze either of them past um, Ian Roberts, who uh, is another guy who was just an absolute fearsome competitor and born winner. But then someone like Petro Sivanasivo, incredible durability, um, Queensland and Australia, and also for Fiji, um, represented all three with distinction and pride, would not look out of place alongside Lazarus in the front row as well. Alicia, can you top that analysis? I was going to say, what do you what do you say to that? Um, <laughs> I I I got to admit, I've probably seen about six out of the ten of them play. So, um, geez, how young are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went, like I just haven't seen much of like well, Lazarus, yeah, as in t- in terms of me seeing seeing him play, uh, not a whole lot. Mark Carroll, not a whole lot. I've seen the clips with him and, and Harrigan, but that's about it. Um, Ian Roberts. Oh, look, it, just going off me, I'd, I'd go for Shane Webke and, and and Petro. But, again, that's coming from a more modern-day um, vote. Sorry, CK, not saying you're old, but you just have a lot more knowledge than <laughs> I do on this. Even before CK <laughs> said anything, uh, my two props, uh, Glenn Lazarus, I think we can all... I uh, kind of agree on that. And Petro, just because his durability, um, basically just what he did, he was always the man mountain there for the Bronx, even when he came down and uh, played for the Panthers as well and, and made some difference there. Uh, but every time he put on a Maroons and, and Australia jersey, you're always worried because he would just continue to go forward. He'd be the 79th minute, team would be down, and he'd be tucking the ball under his wing and saying, hey, boys, my turn, um, which is what a lot of props... Um, I guess they're there to do, but he did it as good as anyone else. Uh, make sure you head to nrl.com uh, to vote for your two best props uh, of the last 30 years in our Simply the Best poll. Uh, this weekend, our expert view uh, question will be, which team will go better than expected when the NRL resumes? This will be interesting now that we know the draw. Uh, CK, anyone or any team come, uh, does any team come to mind initially for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I'd love to see the Warriors aim up and make the eight. They've got so much sort of, you know, just operating on so much duress at the moment, but it's going to be a massive ask. The first thing that really jumped to mind for me was the, the Bulldogs. They've both the last two seasons, they've gone pretty ordinary and then found their mojo towards the end and strung together a few wins and all the fans have gone, geez, where was this? Um, you know, a bit earlier in the season, if they can find that, resolute defensive steal a bit earlier on and get Kieran Foran back um, potentially for, for round three or pretty close to it. They, um, you know, they could potentially surprise a few teams. I don't have them in my eight, but I think they could be mathematically in that sort of lower part of the eight equation through a, a lot of the seasons. So um, they, they were my tip for the potentially could surprise a few people side. Okay. Well, uh, our viewers or readers of our website will again have to wait for mine until the weekend. Uh, Alicia, have you come up with yours yet? Oh, I haven't submitted mine yet, but I'm just thinking off the top of my head that Cronulla, um, you know, I, I left them out of my eight to start the year, but now with this revised draw, I think and their players that they're getting back, um, they're in a pretty decent position, you know, being uh, one and one to start the year. Are they one and one? I think you'll find they're 0-2 to start the year, Alicia, but footy hasn't been on for nine or so weeks, so I, I can't hold that against you. <laughs> okay. 
Um, we always finish with the highlight of the week. I don't think anyone will disagree, but the announcement of the draw, now we know where teams will be played, when, at least for the first nine rounds, and then Origin beyond that. Um, it's been a great week for Rugby League. Uh, next week will be even better. Um, what game are you looking forward to most, guys, before I let you go? Give me uh, Brisbane and Para the... Um... The, the finals rematch it was an absolute bloodbath down at Bankwest last time. I think this one starts off at Suncorp. The Eels um, opening the season twice in the space of three rounds. They did it back in round one and they do it in round three after the hiatus. Um, so I'll be hoping they can uh, repeat the dose on the Broncos. I think this one will be a lot closer than the last one. You'd want to hope so <laughs> to kick off the, the two weeks you've got. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alicia, what about you? Oh, look, you can't go past Roosters and, and Rabbitohs for restarted. I think, you know, Latrell, speaking to Dane Gagai earlier in the week, his simple message was, you never poke a bear. So I'm keen to see how he responds after the last couple of months of of controversy for him and, uh, yeah, physically how he is um, at, at fullback if he stays there. Yeah, I think uh, the Storm Raiders will be an absolute cracker the last time that match was down there, the prelim final. A uh, bit of controversy in the end, but the Raiders uh, won and won through to the grand final. That'll be a cracker. I can't wait to see the Warriors in action. I think they'll be high on emotion. I think everybody will be tuning in uh, to see their match against the Dragons on Saturday as well. Uh, hopefully, for their sake, they put in a good showing. They've had rotten luck having to leave their home country, have plenty of injuries as well. Um, but as I said, the positive news is Rugby League in less than a week will be back and we will all be cheering. Uh, we're cheering now, CK and Alicia. Thanks again for your time. Rugby League fans, uh, thank you for joining us and uh, enjoy the footy next week. Mm-hmm.